people think, well, if I accept something, then I'm waving a white flag in surrender yeah. and it's me bowing down and just giving up. It's giving like, my that's power not away. Yeah. Yeah. Power is found in acceptance. Yeah. You're part of the, the entire masterpiece and you're just one mm. brushstroke in that yeah. and you get to put your brushstroke on that in however you decide to whatever you're doing especially mindfulness meditation you're developing the capacity to be aware of all that it is programmed that is not you and to make a choice how to respond and show up in life Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Monty Hook. And today I am joined by Shay Eloise, a communication expert and sensuality coach. We went deep down the rabbit hole on living a life of joy and meaning, how to be a powerful communicator, and why self-acceptance is the most powerful tool for personal transformation. This one was fun, full of wisdom, and with some very practical takeaways. You're going to love this one, so do not touch those buttons. Guys, head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to my ebook, The Exponential Entrepreneur. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying, Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. This is a concept I've been obsessing over for the past five years how to scale your business and actually take on more projects, all whilst working less and living a life you love. I'm now very fortunate to have multiple businesses that all run without me, and I spend my days sharpening the ax. That's doing things that I love, like surfing, working on my spiritual practice and health, learning and doing podcasts. So if you are an entrepreneur and you are interested in the strategies required to scale your business, but with you actually working less, and most importantly, cultivating a life of spiritual abundance and freedom, then head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to the ebook now. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back down the rabbit hole and I'm in the studio in Bali today joined by the lovely Shay. How are you, Shay? Good. Thank um, you. I was asking just your name, your full name before, what do you prefer to go by? And you said, just Shay. And I said, oh, like Madonna. <laughs> and I said, that's brilliant. <laughs> well, you are a bit of a, you are a, a bit of a rock star in your, in your own right. So. Thank you. <laughs> so um, how long have you been here in Bali? Six years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why do you why do you fit in here? Why do you like it here? Why do I fit in here? Um, <laughs> oh, so many reasons. Bali, Bali just feels like a place where anything's possible. Like I feel the moment I stepped into Bali, I felt like everything was more accessible. Mm. Things I wanted to create, communities I wanted to connect with, um, and. You know, the greenery, I mean, I'm from Australia, a very green, beautiful part of Australia. So I feel at home in very natural surroundings. So the greenery pulled me in. But yeah, I think it was the conscious community, the fact that I felt so free, so free of a system and being mm. kind of you know, controlled a little bit by yeah. <laughs> how I felt I was in my home country. Um, it seems yeah. kind of a weird thing to talk about because 
Australia is known as the lucky country and everything's, yeah. you know, like um, it is if you think about it compared to other places in the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we've got it good and there's healthcare and, yeah. you know, for the most part, people have got it good. Yeah. But I'm like you, I've kind of had this uneasy feeling for a long time mm. and it's like this, it's like this un, un, subconscious imprisonment or something mm. I, don't, I don't know what it is it's hard to explain yeah it feels like what they would call the nanny state yeah, like a, a sure. nanny state so I felt like on paper Australia is wonderful you know super clean yeah healthcare is amazing we get paid well in Australia the the natural surroundings is incredible and if it wasn't for the the system and structure of society and the way that it, it really does feel like people, not not everybody, of course, but for the most part, it's like just playing this this game, mm. you know, and I feel that in the Western world a lot, you know, playing the game of do this, do that, do that, yep. and then that. And m most of the people I was surrounded by were not happy or fulfilled with their lives, were not inspired or like vibrant or juiced up. And I was just like just yearning for that, yearning to be surrounded by people who were loving their lives. Yeah. No, it's 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 really it's it is really strange because, um, yeah, everyone's got a good in Australia, but there's this this once you come to Bali, you kind of notice it. You mm -hmm. kind of feel like mm -hmm. mm, you've broken out of something, but you mm -hmm. didn't really know what you've broken out of. You don't know what that what that thing is. Yeah, because when you're living in that, you can't really see it. You can't see the picture when you're living inside the frame. Yeah. That's what I say. But yeah, it's really interesting. It's like exiting the matrix. Yeah. Like, but you never knew you were in the – well, of course, people don't know they're in the Matrix. Exactly, but, yeah. when they're in it. <laughs> but especially in Australia, especially yeah. in Australia, people don't think, yeah. yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about you. What's your what's your jam? Um, I know you very good on – you focus on communication and yes. intimacy and yes. uh, empowering women especially, but you work mm -hmm. with men as well. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so my journey has been one of – constant transformation like everybody but very conscious of of my transformation and I like most people <laughs> grew up um in a really challenging environment and that was difficult on many different levels emotionally psychologically physically and I got to a point in my life in my early 20s where I just hit like a rock bottom like really the lowest of lows um, to the point where my body was physically shutting down like I was you know I had to make a choice to radically change how I was living in the world or I would die mm. and that was due to um, having a disorder and that was created from depression anxiety and yeah many things that I'm just keeping that story short now unless we go down one yeah. of those rabbit holes and that really woke me up to a different way to live and a different way to live internally, really. Um, so I'd already come across like Buddhism, spirituality when I was 15 and I studied that quite rigorously and I knew it all intellectually and I could mm. express that to people. I could teach people, but I wasn't living it. I wasn't living it until I had to. So when I went into this rock bottom, I started to like every day, put into practice every action I took, an action of deep presence and starting to really observe my inner world, my mind, this anxiety and pull out these tendrils of, um, 
of being yeah locked into my own insecurity and wounding and trauma mm. and from that moment I then went to Bali for a retreat for 10 days and like three days in I was like I'm I'm gonna live here and so I went back home and my family was like um that's sweet <laughs> she thinks she's gonna live there I'm from a small country town where mm. no one leaves like generally so yeah they thought I was just I, I just had this fantasy but then they started to realize more about me mm. when you know I started to really let this part of myself show that when I have an intention to do something I will do it and so a year after that I was living in Bali and I started um, my yoga certification teaching meditation and mindfulness and then began to work with people on mindful eating because that was part of my journey of healing and then worked with my partner and that is where I started working with women on masculine and feminine embodiment at the time, my partner. Um, and after that relationship, I then went very deep into just working with women on claiming their feminine essence and getting back to the roots of their, their core feminine, which is, you know, that, that part of all of us that is more in flow, that is more spontaneous, surrendered, receptive, all the things that society doesn't value as much so all of us have like really wonderfully established masculines but the feminine wasn't there mm. after that after working in that realm for about a year and a half to two years I then shifted away from teaching yoga and shifted away from uh, working with just women because I found myself like yearning to to help more people in more areas that I know that I could help people with mm. from my own experience and my own studies. So that went into uh, basically different aspects, different dynamic aspects of how we express ourselves as humans. So I still work with masculine and feminine embodiment with women and men. And then self-expression in how we communicate is a huge one, which is one that I'm working a lot with right now. And then um, sensual embodiment, so how we're expressing ourselves in a sensual way through the body. And then other aspects as well of mindfulness and meditation so it's now branched out and I've changed you know the branding of my work and I've changed who I'm working with and it feels much more in alignment yeah I, I you know we've we've talked about masculine and feminine energy a lot with different guests in different contexts mm. um, and I feel it is maybe the most important topic to talk about because mm. I, I feel like there's so many solutions in, in that and mm -hmm. what I'm hearing as you're sharing that you know you were working with women and now you've come, you've started working with men mm -hmm. you know I mean it's beautiful to work with women I actually have said many many times I feel like the world needs more feminine leadership mm -hmm. whether that's in women or, mm. or, or in men because the, we've evolved and what we have been doing for the last however many hundreds of years or thousands of years it doesn't work anymore yeah right and i think it's not just important to empower women mm. but men need to be educated mm -hmm. men need to be integrated into that like what's yeah. you know like, like women can have an impact but together if we all get it if we exactly. all understand it then it's just so powerful so much more powerful oh exactly and that's that's the bridge i think that i'm really starting to feel now and it's 
you know, what we speak about in, in the communication work, it isn't just relational communication in how masculine and feminine communicates differently, which they do very differently. Um, but it's also other strategies and tools and techniques for communication, just as human beings, like aside from these dynamics. Um, but yeah, the, the, you know, some of the programs I've, I've done in the past, one is for women to actually heal their inner masculine mm. because yes they have a very established masculine energy within them it doesn't mean that it has been expressed in a healthy way or that they're um, embodying healthy qualities of their masculine and when they're wanting to become more feminine like women who come up to me and I, I just want to feel more feminine and they're at war with their masculine yeah. they're like oh, I'm so sick of being masculine I'm too masculine it's like wait a second you're now fragmenting yourself and you're at war with yourself mm. because your masculine is inside of you because these energies, these words, which some people have quite an aversion to, we could call it yin and yang, hard and soft. It literally is just the expression of duality, which is life embodied. Everything is in duality in life. Um, and I draw a lot from Buddhism and Taoism in this, this um, concept because, you know, the fact that we have texture, texture is like a word for the way that we can categorize duality. So there's only hard because there is soft mm. or we say something is hard that automatically makes soft in existence. Otherwise it would just be thing. Yeah. Like there wouldn't be. So it, it's just like a texture of living is the masculine and feminine. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I think because the, especially in the, in with with men especially and in australia australia is probably the one of the unhealthiest place in the world for like this yeah. male bravado and yeah. um like the the aussie battler and mm -hmm. all of this like it's it's tough and that's kind of been beaten into it beaten into us yeah and i know it's the same for for women you know you're not supposed to be masculine and not you know mm -hmm. we're kind of taught you shouldn't have those qualities. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't embrace that. You should be a man. Mm -hmm. You should be a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's 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 it doesn't work for us. It's not healthy. It's not healthy because it again, it's fragmenting just one one texture of our being mm. to say that the, that's the only texture that we should embody and express. Mm. So no wonder people are feeling repressed. No wonder people feel like they're not fully understood or fully able to show up as themselves because they're not even allowing that part of them to be felt by themselves. They're oppressing that. They don't feel like they're free. And that's literally why I, I shifted my name rather than claiming feminine, which is very niche. I opened it up to my freedom frequency. That's my handle and my brand because it's really about how can we embody a frequency of freedom, of authenticity, which means touching all aspects and textures and flavors that we hold within us. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Mm. Uh, let me ask a question about the current state of the world. Yes. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of weird shit happen in 2020 and yeah. 2021. Um, how, much of, uh, how much of that, all of that, the symptoms that we're seeing in the world where, you know, systems are breaking down and societies aren't working and people are too greedy and, mm. you know, how much of that is related to what we're talking about here with masculine and feminine energy mm. like is did something something go wrong there yeah yeah i mean it's oof it's many things i think all this whole big 
soup that has a very bad flavor to it. And it's, in essence as well, it's this ability to exert control and force Mm. and dominance. And that is the unhealthy qualities of the masculine being expressed. The masculine, in essence, in all of us, whether we're men or women or no gender, transgender, whatever it is, again, this is just a texture of being. The masculine texture of being, when it is expressed in a healthy way, it is structure. It is stability. Mm. It is it is leading. It is having direction and focus. So they're beautiful qualities that all of us need. And the true leaders who are really like selflessly showing up, which there are some, they're embodying those qualities. And they're also having a beautiful balance of the feminine healthy expression, which is surrender to the ever-changing nature of life, right? Not trying to control and be fearful and hoard. Like greed is coming from hoarding, which is coming from a distrust in the abundance of life. So when we're able to trust, which is feminine, have faith, be in the mystery, surrender to the flow and infuse that with our ability to maintain structure and to Mm. lead, that is healthily expressed. But right now in the world, it's not being healthily expressed. I think there's an extreme lack of the feminine as well as an unhealthy expression of it because this is the thing as well, which is I teach this, it's it's like these these energies want to be expressed. They are us, right? They want to be expressed. And when we're repressing the expression of it. It has to come out it's somehow. It's going to come out somehow and it'll come yeah. out in an unhealthy way. Yeah. So the way that the feminine comes out in an unhealthy way, which is this like wild feminine, which I think is also severely misunderstood <laughs> in the term wild feminine. I think people are using wild feminine as a excuse for showing up as um emotionally imbalanced Mm. but the way that it's showing up is people are being triggered and they're making very intense decisions in the world and and combative toward each other from these emotional um insecurities and the feminine is very emotional and sensitive but also balanced whereas the masculine showing up in the unhealthy way again that's the oppression that's the control that is like the competition me against you against that worldview against this worldview and it's like butting heads mm. so that's how i think they're being expressed right now mm. so how do we how do we solve this how do we fix the world shane oh how do we fix the world great question cool <laughs> i'm glad that we're no pressure i wanted to talk about this um <laughs> I mean, it's always an inside job, you know, it's... That's a tough concept for people to, to get though. Yeah. That's a tough, it's a tough thing because when you haven't done the inner work, mm-hmm. that you, your experience of life is everything is outside of you, right? Yes. And to say that we can fix the world, which is everything mm-hmm. outside of us mm-hmm. by just working mm-hmm. on ourselves, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a hard, hard swill to pill to swallow for people yeah and it's also like it it becomes a platitude that doesn't carry weight to it so then we think about all right if if Mm. it is about doing the inner work how do we help 
others do the inner work, maybe like asking a different question, right? Because that's like my core answer is how do we fix the world? Mm. You know, it's, I, it's I, I agree. deep I, presence with yourself. I agree 100%. <laughs> like if we all just did that, there, would be, there wouldn't yeah. be any issues. So it's like, all right, how can we, how can we invite others to embody that then? Mm. So that's from embodying that and then more of us leading that through expressing ourselves, right, through putting content like this out into the world through what I do in my work. You know, I, I record videos, podcasts, I share in my programs, I write and sharing, like really sharing and spreading in this ripple effect that others who maybe have no concept of inner work can first have a concept of, oh, there's other worldviews than my own. Mm. There's other ways to live than how I'm living. And then hopefully that, that again, like uh, more people can rise into that and be invited into that. We're not going to invite someone in by trying to force them mm. in. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the thing also is that when you start doing this kind of work, like I, I think there's enough, there's plenty of people like us doing the work in the world. Yes. But we're just not the loudest voice right now. Yeah. So there's going to be a time yes. when that changes, mm. when there's a, the the tide will change. Yeah. The tide will rise on what you know this, these conversations, and the tide will drop on mm-hmm. on the other stuff, and eventually it'll yeah. change. That's my that's my optimistic, maybe naive thought. But yeah, yeah. If we think about yeah, I love that because. We think about our own consciousness, right? And what voices are we listening to? What voices will we amplify? When we want to reprogram, make changes in our lives, change our beliefs, then we have to be keenly aware of which voices we're listening to. Is it the voice of insecurity, fear, trauma? And which voices do we want to amplify? And when we're first starting out that work, it takes like so much effort, so much effort to amplify the voice that, isn't as conditioned in us because we're not used to listening to that because it's not familiar. When things are not familiar, they're uncomfortable. We seek comfort in the familiar. In the long term, it's not comfortable. Like it's- no, and it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> it's it's scary to put yourself out there and not know where your voice is going to land. Yeah, it's scary. yeah. So so when we amplify the voices within, and when we are able to start living from those, that's like the internal way that we can transform. So if we take that into the world and say the world is this collective consciousness and all of these voices are like the voices we have within us, how can we amplify the voices that will create the shift? So that's what we're doing. And we're not just like, well, I've done the inner work so I can sit back and twiddle my thumbs or go and live like on a mountain and, and, and I've, I've like done my part. It's like, no, no, you do that. And then through your authentic way, amplify your voice. Yeah. Like yeah. invite others into the world that is yours. Yeah, there's this kind of misconception, I guess, that, uh, you know, in the spiritual communities or when you start doing this work, it's like, you know, you can just do that and then you can disconnect from the rest of the world. Now, yes. that happens a lot. So much. But that's not where the power is. The power yeah. is is in embodying that, as you talk about, mm-hmm. being being that like being the essence of that, yeah. but bringing that fire yeah. to the world. And I, I kind of had this thought recently because I talk a lot on the podcast around 
especially the last five years, like my life has changed a lot in that mm. I used to massive hustler, like I would work really hard. And I enjoyed that. There was a part of me that like really loved that, like the, that fire, mm-hmm. you know, like, but I've changed a lot. And now I work maybe, I don't know, three, four, five hours a day at the most. Mm-hmm. And, but I spend a lot of time working on myself, mm-hmm. right? But I had this thought very recently that where is the line in the sand mm-hmm. in how far I take that before I lose my, before I lose the flame, mm. right? And the way I pictured it in my meditation was like the fire to be the still part of the fire. The, the center part of the flame mm. is the hottest, but it's the stillest. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gave me a lot of power because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I can still be still, mm-hmm. but I can be powerful and mm-hmm. I can bring my fire bring my fire to the world. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's not one or the other then. It's yeah, integrating that. Exactly. And it's it's so true. People we see it a lot here in Bali like a <laughs> so lot. much in, especially Ubud. Yeah. Well, now not Ubud because no one's there anymore, but um Ubud gets a lot of bad raps on this podcast. On this podcast especially. I mean, I love Ubud. It's beautiful, but like every place, you know, it has its shadow and the shadow of Ubud is very strong. And it's it's this idea that you know, people people go and they, they go to all these workshops and events and trainings and beautiful experiences and, and it's almost like it becomes it's it's like it becomes the new drug. The drug before for them in their life that they stepped away from, maybe that was, you know, maybe it was um, overworking. Hard, yeah. yeah, or real drugs or whatever it was, sex, like money, you know. Rock and roll, because I had to say that because I just said sex and money. Um <laughs> whatever their drug was, it's like that that core part of them, that core part that is seeking, 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 and in their state of still and unease to be in themselves, that isn't looked at. So, and it's not saying that anyone's work and pathway into the work is bad or wrong. Like we all or have any our own less pathways. important than anybody else's. Exactly, exactly. But I, we're just speaking to what happens in this phase of people's journeys. And hopefully the phase, you know, is is the landing is in integration. But in that phase is is you know it, like replacing the drugs with ecstatic dances and all of these things, which I love and I do. Um, but in a way where that's they're just seeking the highs and they need the next hit. Mm. And rather than then then transmuting that within themselves, alchemizing that, and then giving that back into the world, which is for me like why we do this in a work so we can serve it's all from service that's how I, how I live and feel yeah otherwise that's just lost and it's kind of like we're hiding it in in the beautiful cafes and beautiful dances and the the shiny glitter of of that way of being mm. and so it's also like how I, I see it is this it's like a pendulum but it's a pendulum instead of going um, horizontal. It's like a vertical pendulum. So people are like you know, very much in the world on like in their, if we're talking about coming from Western societies, very much in that way of being. And then they rise up into spirituality. So they go high, 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 and they're in these like beautiful worlds and they don't want to go back down to the real world like, oh, no, no, everything's beautiful and fine now. I don't have any other emotions but peace and shanti om, but I don't like I just it so far up, 
But hopefully then the pendulum comes back down to a center point where we're able to bring those lessons from up high down into the world and like, again, be that messenger of the beautiful gifts that we're receiving through our practices, through our meditations and to be that flame. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that like was occurring to me before was I think, you know, you teach people to figure out, you know, what their purpose is mm-hmm. and what their voice is mm-hmm. and express that out into the world so yes. that they, they have this, um, they, they have meaning in their life right? yeah. and they have a legacy to live into. Mm-hmm. But I think people get really wrapped up in thinking that they need to change the world, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the sayings that I use is it's not your job to change the world, it's your job to create the next ripple. And oh, I, I think I people really underestimate the impact and the difference they can have just by creating a ripple because yes. we think – and we're sold on the idea. We're sold on. We've got to do this big thing. We've got to be. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you've got to be Richard Branson, or you know, <laughs> totally. like we're, we're sold on the, doing stuff so big. Yeah. But then it's very easy to get paralyzed by that. Exactly. Because it's too overwhelming. It's yeah. too big, and then it's like, well, there's no point. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it's how we do everything as well. That that paralyzation of of overwhelm, overwhelmed by seeing. Wanting, wanting to already be right at the end point of something. And again, the end point isn't even like you will change the world, you as a soul human. It's like, you know, you're part of the the entire mm, masterpiece and you're just one mm. brushstroke in that. Yeah. And you get to put your brushstroke on that in however you decide to, whatever you're doing. But it's more about you can only put that brushstroke on, on that masterpiece and feel really good about what you're painting if you're connected to your authenticity and you're not living in how you think you should live, you're not living in how someone told you to live and you're not speaking or showing up in those ways, but you're really understanding how to connect with that authentic part of you and then find out how to express and embody that. That's essentially, yeah, what my work is. Next big question. I love them. <laughs> so how do people find their authenticity? Uh, and What's what's missing for people? Like what's blocking people? And then how do they how do people move through that and really find their authentic voice? Mm. Hmm. I really feel like in my own journey when I when I was seeking this, when I was trying to find this, someone said this amazingly too, and I think it was someone in one of my programs. She was like, I got so lost trying to find myself. Hmm. And like, that is it. Yeah. That is it. Because again, if we're coming at it from this, this idea of authenticity is a, um, unchanging state of being like that's, that can, that can mess us up a little bit because we're constantly evolving. So authenticity is really just presence presence because Mm. my authentic self next year is going to be different to how the authentic Shay this year shows Mm. up. And if I already have this image of how it should look and feel and it should look and feel only that way forever, well, I'm setting myself up for, again, losing myself trying to find myself. And you can't be authentic in, in, you can't be authentic in that space. No. How can you be authentic when you're trying to be authentic? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it's presence. It's true presence. Like 
the the biggest capacity or the most potent capacity I feel in life for anyone embarking on any kind of work it is, whatever they're trying to work with, I really feel is acceptance. Mm. Like landing into where you are at right now because if you are not accepting it and if you're already trying to be different in some way, then you're having resistance to where you are now and that resistance creates blocks. It's like a seed of a block that can create more and more and more because resisting yourself is fragmenting yourself and that people are so, I feel generally, a little bit resistant to um, accepting. (laughs) Resistance to acceptance is funny because that's like their literal opposites is because people think, well, if I accept something, then I'm waving a white flag in surrender yeah. and it's me bowing down and just giving up. It's giving like, my that's power not away. Yeah. Yeah. Power is found in acceptance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it comes to authenticity, mm. I think uh, yeah, people are trying so hard to articulate you know, who they are and mm-hmm. what their authentic voice is. Mm-hmm. But that always comes from a place where there's an agenda behind it. Yes. Like authenticity can't have an agenda. Yes. And that's why this podcast oh, that. this is why this podcast works. Because I don't have a marketing agenda. I don't have like funnels and I'm not selling courses and pro- no, nothing wrong with people selling courses and programs. <laughs> I'm selling courses. <laughs> but I don't have that. I'm an entrepreneur. I've got businesses. I do this for fun. Like yeah, I like I having that. cool conversations. And I've got a script here. I've got questions that I prepare, but I end up asking like two of the questions and it's very authentic. It's a Beautiful. very free-flowing conversation. Yeah. And that's just, uh, I want to give that reference because I think it, sh- it shows people that when you remove that very strict, rigid agenda mm-hmm. of how something has to be, mm-hmm. well, then you've got the space for things to come out mm-hmm. that you didn't even know were there. Exactly. And the cool thing about authenticity is like, well, our perception of ourselves is, usually always tainted. Mm. So mm. like when you ask somebody, you know, what do you think of me? It's like you get answers back. Like when you shared, you did this beautiful Instagram like post um, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Our only real experience of each other is like in swimsuits at the <laughs> at the, <laughs> at the, at the sauna, <laughs> at the sauna, which sounds a little bit kind of, I'm saying this in the most brotherly way possible. <laughs> Um, but you shared, you know, that you had this experience of being with, you know, three beautiful, three beautiful men and mm-hmm. you, you, you shared what that was, what that was like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you shared that I was one of those guys and that really touched me. And the reason it touched me is because I'm like, oh, really? Like people think that of me? Mm. And cause we, we can't really see ourselves, you know? No. And there's beautiful qualities inside every one of us mm. that if we it, we got to see for ourselves, mm. it's like we'd have we'd have a different opinion of ourselves mm-hmm. rather than trying to be somebody somebody else. Trying so hard, yeah. I don't need to try so hard. Yeah, yeah. We don't. Oh, we don't. We just need to be present with what's there mm. in that moment, in that context. If we can really, and this is you know the power of now. That's it. The power of presence, like that is actually where we find the most power because then we are not, we are not being pa- like a slave to agenda. 
We're not being a slave to uh, time. time, insecurities, fears, desire. Like we are just in the present moment and responding, not reacting because that is not powerful, to life. So the more I became present with how do I feel, what do I need, where is joy taking me right now, what is going to juice me up, the more potent everything became. And this is my relationships and my work. Like I went from what the business coaches say not to do. I went from working purely with women in feminine embodiment, very niche, not hugely niche because so many are doing that now, but it's, you know, women. So it's just one gender, only working with women in this area. And they always say, you need a niche down. You need to have this avatar, like business is this way, this way, this way. And I just got this, I was in meditation and I was feeling myself constricted. And I was like, no, that is not me. I'm here to help people free themselves. And in that way, I was doing that through the feminine embodiment, but there were so many other avenues that I was juiced up to share, like communication, like you know, feminine embodiment in the masculine, like sensuality. And I felt like I had to break out of out of that box that I had put myself in and expand and abstract my work like make it more abstract and that's why it felt like okay it's a frequency of freedom and then I have all of this space to what wants to show up what program will be next what is alive what is important to share Mm. as a response to what is in the world to what is in my heart and the moment I took away the niche, made it more abstract. The more signups I got to my courses, I doubled what I was earning. Like everything changed very rapidly because I was living in integrity with what was true for me. Yeah, people tend to create things that they think that the market Mm. wants Mm. and they tell themselves that this is authentic Mm. but it's manipulated to suit what they think the market exactly. needs, which is sometimes they cross over, but yeah. can't ever be can't ever be exact. No, and it's yeah. about listening. So people who are reflecting, like you said, like when we're able to be seen in reflection, when people were sharing about what they were receiving from my work, it's like, okay, I'm listening to that and I'm going to respond to that by sharing more. Mm. So literally doing this communication course, this program was something I'd always wanted to do and toyed with the idea of, but it wasn't until a beautiful friend um, who did my previous course, Claim Your Inner King, which is about feminine claiming the inner masculine, when she said to me, you need to do a course on communication. You are like, there is just so much wisdom in what mm. you share about this. There's so much I'm getting out of it. Um, Cause you know, she'd be like, I'm talking to a guy. What do I say? I'm like, this is how you can share what you feel and mean. And so, so she signed up for the course, but yeah. I was like, okay, I'm responding to this. This is needed. This is wanted. So how do people become great communicators? What are the... <laughs> What what are the critical what are the critical elements? Mm. And there are critical elements too. So great question. Listening. Listening is actually like one of the biggest parts of it. Being able to listen deeply so you can actually respond. Mm. And listen deeply as well to not only what's being said, 
but the ability to listen deep enough to what's actually being meant. To understand. Listen to understand. Yes, not know. to listen to understand, not to respond. Because if you listen to understand, you can pretty much remove judgment. Yeah. When you listen to hear, mm. when you listen to respond. Or when you listen to be right or when you listen to yeah, convince. You're gonna well, if you listen to respond, you're gonna be coming from the filter of what will I say? What you know, what will I say? And that's coming through the lens of what I think is right or wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think one of the biggest um maybe wounds we can say around relationships especially is people just don't feel heard they don't feel understood and what that makes us feel is they're not connected now to communicate is to connect but a lot of us are not communicating to connect we're communicating to again try to be right so or to avoid mm, triggers mm -hmm. or to avoid conflict which is just creating internal conflict within yourself yeah, if you're avoiding something that's true. Because you can't share what's true to you. Exactly. Yeah. So keys to communication, really listening deeply, listening to what's being said underneath the words, maybe what they're meaning is something else and maybe you can actually feel that mm. and then taking ownership for the words that you're saying. Yeah. So taking ownership for your experience if you're communicating your experience with a partner you know not saying something like you made me feel like this or when you did that i i feel like this because you did that Mm -hmm. it's really actually and i've been doing little videos on this on instagram recently it's like i i feel like this right now as a response to what has happened or my story is this i have this story from what happened with us Mm -hmm. I would love to understand what happened for you and to really genuinely want to understand. Yeah. I mean, if we could figure out how to not have triggers, like I think we'd, we, well, we, we've, we've got it nailed right. But I, oh. I, think, I think there is, I think it's something we just get better at with time. Yeah. But certainly what has, what has helped me is mm. certainly trying to ha- having compassion mm. and because my my old way of being if somebody is being triggered is is triggered mm. that's just going to trigger me automatically mm. like in the past mm. and then in that moment i've lost all all of my power right but i could only feel like that if i have felt if i have lost my power through feeling like i'm right or right or wrong mm. like they they're wrong i'm right you're wrong mm. so to have compassion for the other person, like the way I would say it now is I wouldn't say, well, I think you're wrong. I would say, well, that doesn't feel true to me. Yeah. Because that, that takes the charge out of it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it takes the charge out of the trigger. Look, are we going to have triggers for the rest of our lives? Probably. Probably. Maybe not. Great. I'm going to open up the possibility to never. But... You know, as I open up into deeper recesses of my being and evolve more, I'm like, like, whoa, that's there? Okay, wow. And I feel like mastery is not that there is that you are just pure light being and that is all that you are ever. Again, you know, we could maybe we could all be Jesuses in in reach that point. That'd be great. But it's really about how can we respond to ourselves? How can we just be aware enough to go? 
I have a trigger right now? Mm. Aware enough to just simply pause and breathe before doing anything. And like you said, you you changed the way that you said something because you had that filter of being aware of that energy of a trigger within you first. Mm. When we are aware of what that energy of being triggered feels like, that gives us information for when that shows up next time, okay, what tool can I use from my tool belt to say this in a different way, to respond in a different way? That's essentially what I'm here teaching. You know, I'm not here to heal everybody from all of the wounds they'll ever have. Maybe that happens again, not taking that out no, of the realm of possibility. I'm here to offer tools that people can just empower themselves with. Yeah. Having, I mean, yeah, having those tools is is the, the, the most important thing. Like, I mean, if you think about time you've gotten triggered and you've gone away and you've mm. had some time to yourself and mm. you've come back and you've kind of got some power again, the other person's got some power again yes. and you resolve it beautifully. Yeah. Right. If you had the awareness in the moment to go, the best thing for me to do right now is just walk away. Mm-hmm. Knowing mm-hmm. that when I come back again, mm-hmm. okay, well, it's the, the charge is dissolved yeah. at least somewhat and we can now talk about it. Yeah. And I think the, the key is just to get faster at that. Yeah, yeah. Right? So when you can get super fast at that to the point where you can realize that in the moment and go, okay, I don't need to walk away Yeah. because I know that I, I can deal with this like right now. Yes. Just be, yeah. So it's not like the thing is not there. Yeah. It's like you just catch yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's I the truth. That. It's just catching yourself. Yeah, it's just like a meditation. You know, the more we sit and are able to, catch ourselves when the mind does its thing, the more we're practicing and developing the capacity to observe and catch Mm. ourselves. That's a great thing. And the thing about meditation, which is related to this, is one of the keys is not to make yourself wrong for the thinking. thinking. Like that's the like that's that's huge. That's 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 the the key. Exactly. (laughs) And and it's the same for like dealing with triggers. It's like don't make yourself wrong for being triggered. Yeah. Why am I getting triggered again? Okay, well you're fucking human. So Again, That's the why. root is in acceptance. Yeah. In acceptance of that. I was, I, you know, I've been teaching meditation for quite a few years now and people would say to me, oh, I just can't meditate. It's so hard. I keep thinking. It's really hard. I just catch myself thinking all the time. I'm like, awesome. And they're like, what? Like, that's awesome that you are having moments of catching yourself thinking. That will happen more and more. Then there'll be spaces where you don't even think and that's wonderful. But that's not the capacity you're developing. You're not developing the capacity to be empty-minded so that you can be empty-minded for the rest of your life. How will you do life? How will you literally like think, plan, communicate, work? What you're developing is, and it depends on what kind of meditation you're doing, but essentially, especially mindfulness meditation, you're developing the capacity to be aware of all that it is programmed that is not you and to make a choice how to respond and show up in life. Mm. That's the capacity. To, be, to become something of an observer mm. to what is happening in the moment. Like when you catch yourself, like, yeah. so rather than judge, judging, you're observing. Yeah. And then you can do that in your everyday life. Exactly. Rather than reacting and snapping. It's like, and then you can observe yourself. It's like, hmm, why am I like this? Why am I doing that? Yeah. And then you're living life with curiosity and you're not living life all the time like, like in this inner world of like, why, why is this? Well, it's it's not like that. It's just like this really like interesting, like, hmm, that was interesting. I'm feeling this right now. It's just, it's such a beautiful way to stay present because when you 
bring that energy to it, that energy of acceptance, it doesn't have power over you. Because when you're trying to fight it, like fight all the thoughts, fight the triggers, you're affirming its power through fighting because it's so powerful you have to fight it, right? Like if you have to fight an army, you know that that army is pretty strong because you have to go and fight it. But if you're not even taking that army seriously and not even seeing it as an army, you're not going to show up with swords and shields. And it's the same thing where you're scared of it, where you think it has power over you or you affirm its power through being fearful of it Mm. because it's like, oh, and you try to avoid it. But again, when you can sit with something, sit with those limiting beliefs, sit with the blocks, sit with the triggers, sit with the thoughts. The anxiety. It goes, sit with the anxiety and it just, it dissolves. It just dissipates because it's kind of like you're not playing its game. Well, yeah, when you, if you have, you know, some anxious thoughts or anxiety, it's like when you make yourself wrong for that. Yeah. And you buy into that. Yeah. Well, you're just creating a loop for yourself. Exactly. You know, never-ending anxiety. Exactly. Yeah, so, and then you're anxious for feeling anxious, and that makes you anxious. And yeah, it's, exactly. again, you're just playing the game. Yeah. You've bought into it. You're feeding that. Let's talk about relationships. Let's do it. <laughs> Are you in a relationship right now? I am. That's beautiful. Yeah. What makes that work for you? Oh, yum. So we actually recently just got back together after a few months of separation, and we were together for a long period about a year and a half um and it's beautiful because you know we we share this I like I share it a lot in in my content what I post on my podcast as well um what works what was working already before we took space because we didn't really take space because it was terrible we took space because we knew we had to initiate into something like there was some growth for yourselves yeah there was there was some growth individually needed to happen and we also let go of the attachment to the relationship so that we could fully trust in that we were coming back together Mm. not from fear not from codependency but from like the authentic desire to be with one another after we had initiated so i really did like i love this man more like I've never loved someone this deeply before and and I got to touch that inside of myself and what was working before the separation was the ability to allow each other to be in freedom, whatever mm. that meant for us, in our actions and then to show up in truth. So we had some hard conversations and questions asked and answered that I think for a maybe a normal if we have a normal general kind of relationship or a relationship most of us might be used to from the past I know I was that would be like oh my god I don't never want to hear my partner answer that question or say something like that like we just showed up in truth and both of us I think what has always worked and continues to work is that we are geared toward growth and geared toward growth in a way where we're not afraid to look at the hard things to look at within us that come through. So after we took some time apart, because a lot was coming up for me in my evolution and for him as well in a different way, it was it was just this, this empowered, beautiful feeling, organic feeling of coming back together and again showing up in an even clearer 
powerful, truth-filled, openly communicative way. So I think what works, again, it's just showing up in truth and holding each other's truth mm. and treating treating this co-creation that we're, we're um, in as precious, as not precious, delicate, like it's going to like crumble at anything, like it feels strong and deeply rooted, but it's also something that requires watering and mm. nourishment. And some of the ways that we do that is, you know, time apart or the way that we honor each other in different ways um there was one other thing that i really wanted to mention in this oh again in the communication it's about something i learned very deeply when we were starting to communicate on areas that were very different experiences for each of us was like listening to understand but also listening in such a way if that i couldn't relate to his experience if that was very different to my experience, how could I still listen and understand and not have my own experience and truth be threatened mm. by his truth? Now, it's different if it's impacting the structure or the container of the relationship and how we existed in it, which in one phase of our journey it was. So there's, you know, how we're compatible in certain areas of our life. But if there's something else that it's like, how can I see this being as just a human, a sovereign human with their own experience of life and love them in such a way that I'm not threatened in any form? And again, we came together from a state of feeling really whole and then developed that or understood that even more in the journey of being separate in these, you know, past mm. few months. I recognized through letting that relationship fully go that I didn't need anyone, mm. even him, which was like how I saw him as just my human. I even didn't need him. I even had peace and power without him. And that I think was so healthy yeah. to land into. I think that's the hardest part, like to, to be with somebody but somehow not be attached to the like that that person's going to be be there forever. And yeah. That's like that's some real mastery. Yeah, it is. That is that is the work of life though, right? Yeah. Because every like and I think I think I really got this when I went through grief at quite an early age. Well, not that early. I mean, I was I was um 19 when my mother died and that and I also had other people in my life die as well, similar area, and that already, right, I had already been studying Buddhism, the impermanence of life, mm. everything changes, you know, desire leads to suffering, like the, the whole tenet of, um, of life's, yeah, the, the, un, the changing nature of life, but I didn't really experience it or get it mm. until I dealt with death. And that to me is at once scary but also deeply peaceful there's something very deeply peaceful for me about recognizing that everything's going to change and die and end there's something so peaceful yeah. <laughs> i think it's because i felt so much pain as well right because that gives you so much well, it gives like, you power because once you've experienced that it's like well you can handle anything exactly yeah. and it's like 
like, and it doesn't mean that anything is less important to you. It makes it more important and more precious. Like my relationship now is so precious because we've also felt what it's like to live without one another. I knew what it was like to live without him before I met him, but after I met him and after I felt the love, that was really hard to be in that separation in many moments of like, oof, you know, like letting him fully go. But again, coming back together, it's like you hold it so much more preciously because you know even if the relationship doesn't end, we're still going to die. Yeah. And one of us before the other unless you know it happens at the exact same time right so it it helps gratitude like it helps build gratitude and that is what i do when i feel the fear Mm. because i of course i feel the fear with that's the duality with the deepest joy and love makes the opposite of that true so then we have fear about it i wrote Mm. about this recently like we're vulnerable to feeling the the incredible nature of joy and love. And when we open our hearts to feel the depth of that, we're opening our hearts to feel the opposite of that. We're opening our hearts to feel what is not that. And when I have those moments of like, I just switch it to gratitude and I go, whoa, what do I have right now? Oh, this is amazing. I'm going to hold it so preciously while I have it for however long I have it. Yeah. That's beautiful. No. <laughs> I, I think uh, like in relationships, uh, everything's magnified and amplified, right? Yeah. And I think because of that, it also uh, spills over into all other areas of your life. Mm. And it's really interesting kind of dance, I think, of this th- honouring this the, the work that you've got to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. But then there's also things that, you can only learn in a relationship mm. and mm. in that dynamic yeah. because without the situations arising, without the triggers mm-hmm. or whatever it is, it's like there's things there that need to bubble to the surface yeah. to learn things about yourself that, oh, that's down there, like that's yes. – and it only comes out in, in relationships. Yeah. So it's a really interesting dance to yeah, honour that uh, – self journey yeah and then honor the relationship as well yeah it's but if you get it right it's very powerful sounds like sounds like you're doing an amazing job it feels like it right now (laughs) good for you thank you lucky guy um (laughs) what are some of your you talked about meditation but what are some of your habits rituals um uh yeah some of the things that you do that empower you on a day-to-day basis because you were talking before Mm. about um you know discipline the power of yeah. The power of discipline. Yeah. Because I think when you don't feel free, mm-hmm. we kind of have this tainted idea of what freedom is. We think it's like sitting on the beach drinking pina coladas mm-hmm. and we don't need, you know, re- being removed from discipline, being removed from structure, being removed yeah. from the, 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 the daily routine. Yeah. But actually that's where real power lives. Real yes. power lives in the discipline. Yes. That's my belief and thought and well that's what's been true for me so what are some of your things that you're doing every day that Mm. keep you in that yeah I mean I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying and that is again the textures of life embodied the masculine structure is what is holding the feminine freedom or dance or flow so it's like if we're if we're imagining life's flow and that freedom of water moving 
it, the water is only held and able to move because of the riverbanks. So the riverbanks is like our discipline, our masculine structure, which is gives the water a body of sub, like a substance. Mm. It gives the water direction. Or they say it in Hindu mythology, we're talking Shiva Shakti. Shiva masculine, Shakti is the feminine. Shiva is that which allows Shakti to be danced into life. So it's the Shiva consciousness and the structure and the discipline, which is what allows us to expand and flow and feel free to free ourselves mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, so I agree completely. It's that beautiful balance. And for me, I went so hard into the discipline aspect that when I was in, in spirituality, really starting out in like creating a routine that my morning routine, it was the same as my past partner's morning routine, which was very masculine. He would wake up, he would, you know, do movement for this amount of time. Then he'd do his gratitude list. Then he'd do his breathing. Then he'd do this, 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 and this. And so I was like, sweet, I'm going to do the same thing because that's going to be good. That's, you know, great. This was before we started working with masculine, feminine mm. embodiment. And it gave me anxiety. I would wake up and feel like I have to do this and that and was it is this amount of time and this and it, and so I was like what is happening? Well I'm just going to let that go then and just you know flow. I'm just yeah. going to flow. But then I had no discipline at all and I just felt like mm, I didn't have vibrancy. I just felt quite dull. I'd wake up and be like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. So now it's about I wake up and then the the discipline is I know I need to meet myself. So I give myself, always give myself space to go and meet myself. And that will be going, sitting down or lying down. And then in that moment when I sit or lie, I'll feel into it. It's generally, this is a meditation I um, I offer people as well. I have you know, on my site, I think, or I give it in my programs. But it's like sitting with the presence of, okay, how do I feel right now? What do I need? And then... From that structure and discipline of showing up, asking myself these questions, meeting myself, I then go into my feminine, which is what gives me vibrancy, which is, you know, the just core part of me being in a woman's biology. And that is sometimes I do free flow dance movement. So you can just flow into whatever feels yeah. What you what you need in the moment. But I have the tools mm. available. So it could be writing in my journal, sitting in a meditation, doing breath work, doing yoga, going for a walk. But it's it's allowing that to be decided in the moment, yep. but knowing that I need the discipline to go and show up every day for that. Mm. So that's one thing. And another thing is again, it's in that that space of recognizing you know, what What fuels certain frequencies? And for me, what fuels like joy and vibrant frequencies is dancing. So generally every day, whether it's just rolling around on the floor or like whatever, whatever I'm feeling like, I'll have music on and I'll dance. And even if it's just 30 seconds, I know that that is fueling joy frequency within my body, running through this like beautiful energy, clearing things away, whether it's emotion or tension. And that to me is a really beautiful, sustainable practice that yeah. comes into my day at any moment. Very nice. Yeah. Um, we could probably talk all day, but um, 
I'll make sure everybody's got access to you. We'll put the links and people can find you on Instagram, I assume. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. most most active on Instagram as a social platform. Yeah. And then I have my podcast, my YouTube, and my website. Cool. We'll make sure everybody's got the links. Make sure you go check out Shay. Just Shay. Just Shay. <laughs> um, but no, it's 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 beautiful work that you're doing. It's it's you know, as I mentioned before, I feel like it's the most important work for the world is mm. for us as humans to to figure out this healthy masculinity and a healthy mm-hmm. feminine. Uh, because I think we'd make very different decisions. We'd build very different societies. We'd, you know, we'd relate to to each totally. other. So it's uh, it's very important work that you're doing. So mm, thank you. Yeah, it feels feels aligned. Yeah. Uh, one final question. Please. If you had the one time superpower of mental telepathy, and you could share a message with all seven point eight billion oh souls or whatever the number is now. On the planet, one short, sharp message, languages aside, just one little beautiful message to give everybody, what would that be? Mm. Accept what is showing up right now as if you'd chosen it. Mm. Because you did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, I really I really feel like that's where the power is. Yeah. That's where you have the foundation to create. Yeah. Accept where you are and then create from I power. I think that might be the theme of this interview, the acceptance. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll put that in the title somewhere. <laughs> Shay, thank you so much for joining. Thank um, you. Yeah, really beautiful conversation. And yeah, we'll make sure everybody's got access to you and check your guys go check out Shay and we'll see you next time back down the rabbit hole